So, hello and welcome everyone to Storytime. Uh, Storytime is a monthly event where we interview alumni from the University of Oulu about their studies, careers and life in general. My name is Simo Kekälänen and I'm, I'm going to be the host for today's Storytime event here in Virtual Tellus. Welcome everyone. Today's guest has graduated from the program of Biomedical Engineering. Tuomas Kenttä is an alumnus from the Faculty of Medicine with a doctoral degree in medical engineering, and he now works as a physiological algorithm expert in one of the hottest and globally recognized health technology companies, Aura, which is known, of course, for the Aura Ring. Tuomas, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. So we're going to be talking about your career, your studies and life in general. Before we go to the actual questions and we're going to start with your studies, can you just like very briefly introduce yourself, who you are, where you come from and what you do? Sure. So my name is Tuomas Kenta. I was born in uh, Pella, which is a small village uh, near the Arctic Circle on the border of Sweden. I went there for my like junior high school. Um, and then I uh, went to Oulu to study um, medical technology. And um, I pretty much stayed my entire <laughs> adult life here in the region of Oulu. So uh, that's pretty much it. I've, I've been into research for more than 13 years. So... <laughs> That pretty much defines my life. Uh, I have a wife, two kids. Uh, my daughter is 10. Uh, my son is eight. And we have a two and a half year old dog who chews everything and messes everything up. <laughs> Busy family so life. That's a, that's a, yeah. And living in Oulu, like, you know, why would you want to leave? Because it's such a great place. So <laughs> definitely we're yeah. going to be talking more about this. But Tuomas, you already mentioned that you uh, came to Oulu to study. But what made you uh, interested in medical engineering as a potential study field in the first place? Do you have something going on in the family or how did it go about? Well, uh Nothing in the family that, that would make me choose this this way, but I, I was always interested in in medicine and and technology, and it kind of felt that this this was in between those fields, so it seemed like a perfect match. So, and and to my understanding, the medical technology program at the time it was the only program in Finland where you could study uh, medical engineering as a major. So. That was part of the reason. Also, my my brother lives in in Oulu region, and my sister, so family ties here. So that that was also part of the reason as well. So many different reasons there. So if we go back in time and to the moment where you, for the very first time, opened the doors of the university, are you still able to remember those thoughts and feelings that were running through your head and mind during your first year of studying at the university? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been 19 years since, <laughs> since that day, so uh, <laughs> a lot of water has passed under the bridge, so to say. That. But I, I guess I was a bit nervous. So, uh, I 
didn't actually know anyone else who was going to take part in that that uh, program. Uh, but as it turns out, we had a great group there, great team spirit. So that was a relief. And um, I mean, it, it was exciting. We we started at the same time with the uh, medical, like uh, the medical students and the uh, dental students. So we had set the same courses. And uh, we also had same courses from the uh, technical faculty that the uh, engineers were having. So it, it really felt in the uh, intersection of medical medicine and uh, technology. So that, that was exciting. But I mean, the first couple of years, I, I soon realized that there, the, the uh, program had issues because it was arranged for the first time. So a lot of the uh, courses that we had were scheduled at the same time. So you would have to be in two places at the same time. So what we actually did, what we did that we split our group in two. So the uh, other half would go to Linanma for the uh, math lectures. And uh, the other half would stay for biochemistry at the uh, Gangas campus so and then we would meet up later and like exchange notes uh so everyone was like on board and keeping up with the uh, different courses so there, there was a lot of uh, going back and forth between the two campuses so that was a bit of a pain in the butt but i i heard that they they kind of fixed that late in the, in the later years so but it was hard yeah, but you got through it with the ingenuity that trail trailblazers have when they start up something new. So <laughs> that's a cool story. Uh, do you remember at all, like, what sort of a career path you had in mind back then? Did you know that when I'm going to graduate, I will be working there? Did you have a dream or a path already in your mind? When I started the studies, I... It was just out of pure interest towards technology in, in, in medicine. And uh, I, I actually didn't have like a dream employer. But as I was uh, studying, I, I got the uh, opportunity to work at Polar Electro in 2004. So Polar, of course, makes the uh, heart rate monitors. So during that time, during that four months, or was it five months that I spent there, it kind of like struck me that, okay, this is the place I want to be. I want to be working at the uh, R&D department of Polar Polar in the future. So that was my like goal. And I, I didn't have any like plan B on my mind. That was the A plan and that's all I had. <laughs> and just as you said, R&D and also research have played a really big role in your life. So you didn't stop studying when you graduated, but you also became a researcher after that. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, uh, I think it was when I was finishing my uh, master's thesis, I, I saw this email, um, email on the uh, posting list. And, and uh, it was about a PhD student, a research uh, position and the uh, clinical cardiology uh, group. And uh, I decided to apply for that because uh, 
my, my master's thesis. I did it for the opto electronics department. Uh, and it was um, kind of a spin-off from the uh, wireless hospital uh, project that they had at the time. And, uh, and during that project, I actually met up with a professor of cardiology, Heike Huigori, who was going to be my PhD uh, supervisor. So uh, I think Heike, when he interviewed me for that position, uh, remembered me that we, we met. And also the, uh, the work that I had done for my master's thesis uh, that topic kind of uh, uh, crossed the uh, topic of the uh, PhD work. So I think that that was part of the reason I, I uh, got the job. And yeah, that, that was basically the beginning of my 13 year or actually still going. I still have uh, ties to the university. So still that, that path is, is continuing. So, so I think probably there are people in the audience who are also thinking about going on to a research career. Um, how was the life of a researcher? And do you have any advice to people who would like to become a researcher just like you? Uh, I mean, I, I really loved research. It was, it felt like home and, and, uh, of course, if you see a topic that that interests you, and just go for it, you just uh, uh, like my experience that I, I would research the group better. Not that my group was any <laughs> bad. I I think it's a top group at the University of Oh, but I mean, looking at the track record of that group, are they uh, getting funded? Are they publishing? Because that determines a lot on the funding and also your your future in that group. Because a lot of the times you can't get your own funding, so you have to rely on the group funding and funding of different projects. So that kind of brings insecurity in your life. Like for example, I had I think the shortest contracts that I had were one to three months long. So so not nothing that permanent, but at the time it was fine with me. I, I had hope and faith that everything would turn out great. So <laughs> I, I didn't worry too too much about that. But yeah, definitely research. If that's your thing, you should go for it. Yeah, sure. And quite many, I've I've heard quite many people say that research is like having another set of parents so it's sort of like you know makes you grow up and gives you different kind of possibilities which you can grab or decide not to grab and for you i heard that you also um went to harvard and worked there as a postdoctoral fellow and i think we really have to ask like you know what was life like in harvard what did you do there is it just like in the movies the whole place that you know uh, actually, uh, it sounds all great, but I, I mean, I probably wouldn't have ended up there without the uh, connections of my uh, supervisor. So, uh, Professor Heike Wibri is well known and he ha he's well connected. So, while I was working on my PhD thesis, uh, he mentioned about this group in, uh, in Harvard that was led by Professor Richard Barrier. 
So he said that I would be a good fit there. And they do a lot of stuff that would probably interest me as well. So I, as I was finishing my uh, PhD thesis in, in 2012, I think it was in May. So it was like, like a Friday, Friday afternoon. And I met with Heike. Heike said, and hey, if you want to go to Boston, I need to know that by Monday. So we had like uh, over the weekend, we would discuss this. We should go with my wife. We had two kids at the time. My, my son was like two months old. And we decided, hey, let's go. I mean, my wife was in a position. She, doesn't, she didn't have like a permanent job. So it was easy for her to leave. And it felt right. So we, we decided to, yeah, yeah, let's go. So on Monday, I told Heike, say, said that, yeah, we're, we're going to go. And he basically met up with uh, Richard. And uh, then after that meeting, uh, we set up a call between me and uh, Professor Berrier. And like during that call, we uh, went through the scope of my, my PSU work and kind of scoped the outlines of, uh, of the study I could do there. So, so based on that, that, that study, um, uh, that, that call, I, I uh, drafted uh, a research proposal uh, for the visit and started applying for grants. So the, because the agreement was that if I can get funding for that period, uh, he's happy to have me there. So I think it was January 2013 that I finally got the grant. I mean, it wasn't enough for a whole year, but I was, uh, I was sure I would get more funding <laughs> on the go. That's another story as well. <laughs> so a little bit excitement there. <laughs> Am I going to get the funding or not? <laughs> but but yeah, uh, so after that, uh, no, like the news that I, I, I got the funding, we started uh, planning the actual trip. So there was a lot of uh, paperwork, um, the visas, uh, that, that was like a six-month project where we had to do, we had to actually fly to Helsinki uh, for interviews at the uh, U.S. Embassy. And um, it was a long process. And I actually signed the contract for the house uh, in Boston. I think it was in eight, uh, March, like half a year earlier. And electricity, water, gas, all that. And um, then we sold our cars uh, and put our house uh, on rent. And in August, we packed our bags and our little family into seven suitcases and flew off to Boston. So that was pretty exciting having like two small kids and going that far away. So <laughs> that was uh, interesting at times. <laughs> and um, I had like two weeks off before I actually started working there. And it was in September I started the work. Um, I had to do some training uh before two three weeks uh, of training before i was able to go to the lab uh the work itself was really interesting because uh 
I had never before worked in an animal lab. So they were working three days out of five at the animal lab. So having like pigs there and doing experiments on them. So it, it was really exciting. I was assisting in surgery, uh, putting pigs under anesthesia, um, inflicting myocardi myocardial infarction in the pigs. Uh, we implanted uh, those ICDs, so implantable uh, cardioverter defibrillators. And when we, when the pig actually went to uh, ventricular fibrillation, the ICD gave uh, gave the pick a shock that restored the uh, sinus rhythm and we of course recorded the whole thing throughout and then we go would go back to the uh, lab and uh, analyze the recordings so it was it was a lot different from uh, before that i was just sitting in front of a computer now it was there getting my hands dirty so that was nice now, and I, I, I learned a lot uh, about new software, different algorithms and uh, single processing techniques. And I was able to bring the, some of that knowledge back to Finland when I, when I came back. So outside the work, it was also like an amazing experience. I mean, uh, living in a different culture and uh, meeting new people, seeing new places. I mean, we, uh, we traveled a lot. Uh, I, I'd say at least once or twice a month, we would uh, go somewhere else, like usually like not that far away, but uh, would take the car and drive somewhere else. And that was a new place. And it was interesting to see new places. And sometimes we flew somewhere like Florida during the winters. And that was nice. And uh, uh, it was, I was surprised because uh, the Boston area has a lot of Finns living there. Like, uh, uh, Nokia, Nokia was then under Microsoft, I think. Yeah, and there was a lot of uh, Finnish families living there, and there was actually this uh, Finnish school that was held. I think it was bi-weekly thing. But so every other Saturday we would meet up, and the kids would go to classes, and the uh, adults could mingle between each other. And so it was a great place to meet people who were in the same uh, situation as you were. And that, I think that was more important even to my wife because she didn't have any connections. I was working. So that gave her the uh, social aspect there. So I think, I think she had a more active social life there than she, she had in Finland. So that was really nice. But yeah, I mean, overall, it was a truly, truly amazing experience and something that we we can look back on as a, as a families and every now and then we just like you remember then when we were living there we used to do that yeah that was great yeah so of course if you if you have the possibility to go to go abroad live there sure you should go i mean it was it was amazing it was not all fun and games all the time but but overall experience it was nice so looking back at that time you spent in Boston, did you take any sort of like most valuable lessons learned with you that helped you move on with your career? <laughs> no, I certainly had some lessons there. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, well, well I, I, two things come into mind. I, 
But first of all, I, I, I told you, I told you that the money wasn't enough in the first place when I got the funding. So I think it was like January, February. I, I noticed that, okay, we, we are going to run out of money <laughs> at this point, uh, like in, in three, three months. And I really need to get some money so we can stay the, the whole period. And uh, my professor was uh, promised me that, okay, if you run out of money and you can't get any funding, I will pay you the money. So I called him, said, okay, now's the time. I need the money. And he was like, sorry, I don't have any money. <laughs> so that was a quite exciting time. <laughs> so I spent a couple of restless nights, but uh, I was actually able to secure funding uh, in the nick of time. And uh, we were able to stay the whole year there. The initial plan was to stay two years, but I didn't get funding for another year. So, uh, but yeah, it was great. That that taught me that you shouldn't really, <laughs> the only one you can rely on your, is yourself. <laughs> no, no, that's not true. But <laughs> at that point, it felt like that. Uh, but I mean, in research, uh, I think the most valuable lesson I've, I've learned is to not to give up. Uh, I had I had a rough patch during the first two years uh, of my PhD work. Uh, uh, I had been doing really doing a lot of work for the first two years, and I, I really had nothing to show for it. So I I had no positive results that I could publish, and uh, I was really growing impatient, frustrated. Uh, it felt like the final blow was when I had analyzed the database of 2,000 uh, patients while staying in Tampere because that's where the uh, database was. And then uh, when I had done the analysis, uh, we actually sat down and merged, uh, merged the files, uh, like the analysis that I had done with the uh, follow-up data. And I was almost crushed because none of the... Uh, uh, parameters that I had calculated were predictive of the outcome. So basically, a zero result again. Uh, and I was really, really pissed off again. But fortunately, I uh, fortunately I didn't give up um, uh, because the measurements that I had done they were like spot measurements uh, throughout um, uh, exercise stress tests. So. I actually, after that meeting, I went back to the hotel and started working. And I combined them, the measurements, so that it actually formed this type of uh, dynamic parameter. So how the, how the uh, parameter changes is actually more predictive of the outcome than, than any of the uh, previous like standard measurements were. So uh, it end, ended up so that that database and those measurements that I had done actually formed the basis of my uh, PhD thesis. So it wasn't all a waste of time after all. But so I guess you, you should should not uh, give up <laughs> even even though your the things don't 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 go as you planned, but you should play your cards and not not fold. That's really good advice because life has a way of surprising us all. 
But if we now fast forward from those years to your current position where you work as a physiological algorithm expert, that's probably the coolest work title I've ever heard. But, you know, what do you do in your work uh, as a physiological algorithm expert at Aura? Well, um, it, it is a cool title. <laughs> I have to say that as well. <laughs> uh, I think most of my time goes into developing new algorithms uh, for the ring. And uh, that requires a lot of uh, signal processing and data analyzing that we have uh, collected within the company or, uh, or through partners. And um, I mean, there's a lot of meetings uh, arranging different collaborations between the university uh, or hospital, writing research proposals, uh, applying for ethics approvals, uh, taking part in data collection, uh, planning measurement protocols, uh, sometimes assisting the customer care. Uh, if the customer care runs into problems or, I mean, the customer runs into problems with the ring and the ring is not working properly or something and the customer care is not able to see if it's due to the ring or something else, I, I might assist on that. But th those kind of things. So I think that probably most of our listeners are familiar with what Aura Ring actually is. But basically, we've seen in the news that Prince Harry uh, has been wearing it. Then Will Smith was somehow involved too with Aura Ring. So can you tell us shortly, what is the magic behind Aura Ring? Why is it getting so uh, hot in the scene right now? Well, I, I think it's an, an amazing product. I mean, it only weighs about four grams and measures your heart rate or activity, temperature, and it's able to uh, score your sleep, like see how much deep sleep you get, how much REM sleep you get, how much awake time you have. And uh, it's like, a, it's a tool for your well-being. So you are able to assess whether or not you're ready for a big thing. I mean, I mean if, if you have recovered enough so you can perform the next day. Overall, like a, like a tool for the user to track their well-being. And looking back at your studies, do you think they prepared you well for this job or is this algorithm expert one of those jobs which sort of like creates itself and you have to learn the things you do on the go or what do you think about that i think uh, the studies itself uh, i mean we had a great deal of physiology in our studies anatomy and and math and physics and, uh, and those definitely like lay up the the groundwork the basis for for understanding i mean it's it's important to know about physiological measurements and knowing how to do programming and algorithms and single processing and i i think uh the program gave me good 
uh, good start on that. And the research career that I had at the university also was was a good good time, time well spent. Uh, I learned a lot. But yeah, uh, I know. Uh, like uh, when I was working at the university, I was kind of the uh, only one who was uh, familiar with technology. So there wasn't that many people I could ask for help if I ran into problems. But now I, I, it feels like at Aura, I've been able to learn even more. Like we have so many experts from so many different fields. And if I ever run into problems, I can just slack someone or ask over the table and hey do you know how this is done so i think this is uh i'm still learning so life is learning so should never stop i think definitely and you also have this really unique sort of perspective because you work both in the private sector and in the public sector uh do those sectors differ a lot in terms of working culture or anything else what's your take on that i don't know if it's a fair comparison to compare university and uh, and aura but those are the only two places I've, <laughs> i've been to so i mean uh i i didn't see that much of a difference when i started at aura uh but it, it does feel like the private sector it's it's more fast paced uh the deadlines might be more strict and um i still get to do research at aura but of course the uh company somewhat dictates what i'm going to be researching but at the university i had my own freedom i could take my research anywhere but yeah that's one thing for sure um but Uh, I think usually when when people think compare about public and private, you think that the public sector would be more secure. But I found the opposite because, I, like like I told you, uh, the shortest uh, term that I had was one month. So it was like that gave me like insecurity. And this is actually the first job where I have like a permanent. Uh, agreement, so employment agreement, so that's nice. <laughs> so when I'm closing in on 40, I you kind of wanted something uh, more more secure. <laughs> so I feel feel th- that Aura is providing that for me, and also I think the benefits might be a bit better in the private sector, uh, but I, I guess that varies between companies, um, and I do I do feel that Aura invests a lot in its employees and their well-being so that's that's really nice and and i i really felt like at home at aura so that was a that was a good uh, like nice transition from research to research in a private sector that's absolutely wonderful to hear so there were some sort of unexpected similarities but also differences between the two two jobs that you've had But we were talking about your career, but maybe I think we could also talk about how you find the jobs 
in general. So I think in the audience we have a lot of students and they for sure are interested in hearing how did you, for example, manage to find your first job in the own fields, in your own field? So in research where you were. But do you have any advice to students on how to sort of like, you know, stand out in the competition or find the dream job that they are uh, looking for? How to sort of break in to the job market when you are about to graduate? What would you say on that? I mean, I'm probably the worst person to be asked that question because I feel like both times I landed the job, I knew the person who was on the other side of the table. I mean, the first position was the PhD student position, and uh, I had met Heike Uyghur before, and and uh, I think that had some part of the well, like in that decision. And also, when I was working uh, at Polar, I met Hannu Kinnunen, who's the uh, chief scientific officer at ORA. Uh, so I met him in 2004, and uh, he was at the interview when I was applying for the job. And uh, I think Hanno remembered me and uh, from 15 years ago, and he knew my PhD work. He knew uh, that I had some uh, understanding in human physiology. So I think that gives you an edge having those connections. If uh, people with two people with similar skill sets come there and the other one you know, uh, it might be a good thing or it might be a bad thing, I don't know. <laughs> but, but I mean, it's easier for them to hire someone they know. So that was sure. But I think um, trying to like be active Network connect. I know, I know it's hard, but you could do that like uh, uh, during career days when the companies are coming to you. You could like go there and be active, or perhaps they are you are organizing a, an excursion to the companies. So that's a good place to be active. Seminars and and if you have something to show for yourself, like some work that you have, like bit in GitHub software or something that you can actually show to the uh, uh, employer that so they can see your potential and try to bring up what you could bring to the table for the company. So I think those are the things that will make you stand out. Something to show your skills beyond your like regular CV. Definitely. So networking and being open to opportunities uh, finds a way then. Um, you also mentioned another thing, which is very, very crucial. So skills. And, you know, we can think of skills as strengths and also something where you can develop yourself a lot and decide where to go. So. How about you? How did you learn to acknowledge your own strengths, what they are, and in what ways, for example, you are developing your skills currently in, in, your, in your work? Uh, I guess I've learned to acknowledge my um, like skills and weaknesses uh, just 
doing life work study uh, and uh, I mean I think a lot of the uh, development has happened during doing work like um, like I like I mentioned uh, we have a lot of uh, experts uh, in the company so I can ask them uh, how this is done and I, I learn by doing so when I was working as a researcher I didn't have any support on the technical side but I did learn a lot on the clinical side so I I think that was something of course that benefits me that that is a strength for me and now I'm uh, it feels like I'm I'm still learning all the time and um, I, I mean, I've, I've done some some online courses, uh, trying to learn, but I think most of the learning has has happened by doing. So that's my take on it. <laughs> so you're going to be growing growing up in the job. Um, you have a very unique perspective on this field and years of experience working on it. Are there any future skills that? future biomedical engineers should be learning right now that would make them stand out in the field? What are the big things that are happening in this uh, exact field? What's your take on that? In, uh, we have a lot of uh, data coming from the uh, users. So I think that is the gold mine that we're standing on top. So being able to harness that that data that we ha are collecting. So that means actually data science and machine learning, cloud computing. So I think that's that's where you should you know, try to focus on or at least have some skills on that. But you not, not, not too far. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Sorry. I was just saying that you heard it from the guru. Those are the skills that you want to be learning, but do continue, Thomas. <laughs> I wouldn't say guru, but you shouldn't forget like the uh, actual signals that you measure from the ring. So having that touch on the physiological measurements, it's because an understanding of physiology itself, I mean, I mean, you can, it really helps you put those measurements into perspective when you know something of human physiology and how, how that works. So you shouldn't forget that either. So not just data science, but understanding of um, signals and human physiology. So what if you are a medical professional right now studying medicine, uh, would you recommend going into what kind of courses from the technology side to maybe work in the position that I already described, medical professional venturing into technology? Well, I think there would be jobs available uh, just by having that knowledge on human physiology. Uh, but of course, if you can translate that into algorithms, it would be more more useful to get you on the data hands on. So, programming, programming and data, future gold mine, so to say. Which programming softwares are you working with? 
now I'm working mostly with MATLAB. Uh, that's been my go-to language since starting my PhD uh, work. And uh, I, I find it so easy and uh, so just friendly for this type of work. So that's my, my thing. I'm trying to learn Python so I could do more, more work on the cloud uh, and data, data science things. And, but yeah, MATLAB, I, I think it's the go-to language in our, in our group and then Python when, when going to the cloud. Okay, and one more. Is Aura right now only focusing on developing the algorithm for the ring, or do you have any other services, new products on the in the pipeline? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I think uh, we have like this uh, kind of a business to business sale thing that is like HRM, health risk management uh, thing that we are selling. So, for example, the NBA and NASCAR and I think MLB has uh, been recruited there. And uh, it's basically uh, the people are wearing the ring and we are trying to predict whether or not this person is going to be sick, sick in the uh, next few days. So kind of like the company is getting notification that, okay, this person, it, for him, it might be better to stay at home for the next two weeks or so, so until this clears. So this type of thing, I guess, yeah. And, but yeah, we're developing the ring, of course, as well. Exciting stuff. Sounds like something out of a sci-fi movie, but it's, it's, it's reality. It's so wonderful. How heavily do you think uh, PhD influenced your ability to conduct research at Aura? If you graduated today, would you go directly to Aura or would you still choose to do a PhD? That's a good question. I mean, definitely it's not going to stop you from doing research at Aura. And, um, out of our nine members in the uh, science team in Finland, I think five of us has a PhD. So it's not a must, but I think having a PhD kind of tells you that you are able to take responsibility of your work because it's a lot of independent work uh, to like to have PhD. You are responsible for your own work and you have to be organized. So I think the PhD itself is it's not going to tell if you're going to make it as a researcher at Aura or not, but it just tells the employer that okay, this this person has kind of like gone through this, so he must have these abilities. So it might be safer to hire, but that's just my take on take on the thing. I, and would I still choose PhD? Really hard to there. <laughs> really, really hard to tell. I mean, 
at the time when I graduated, I, it felt like the companies were not that interested in hiring. And that's part of the reason I, I, I didn't have a, uh, like there wasn't applicable uh, positions available at Polar, which was my go-to plan. So I kind of took the, uh, uh, research as plan B. And I don't know if I could do the same, uh, move today, but it really depends on what's out there, what kind of positions are available. It's a certificate of quality, just as you said. Uh, Tuomas, um, we've been hearing a lot that you, uh, there's a lot going on with you, university stuff and aura stuff. And I think this is kind of like the situation where many people are, that the, at the end of the day, there are more things to be taken care of than there is time. How have you personally managed to find a balance between busy working days, then self-development and free time activities that you have? Uh, that's a really good question. <laughs> and uh, especially now during the uh, pandemic, it's really hard. And I've been working at home since March. And uh, I think the most annoying part in that is that it kind of, Blurs, blurs the line between free time and work even more than before. So working at the office was really nice because when he went to the office, the work time started. When he left, left the office, the work time ended. Usually, of course, we have these mo mobile phones and we would be checking emails and Slack messages even during the evening, but, but even it's more blurred now. And like I said, I still have four PhD students, so I'm I'm involved in research. I do that mostly uh, during the weekends. Uh, not a lot of extra work, but still some work. Also, have two kids, wife and a dog. So finding a balance between those those uh, factors it's really really hard at sometimes. And uh, sometimes I feel like I could be spending more time with the family than <laughs> than doing doing work, but. I try to try to exercise. I play floorball. I play play the guitar um, uh, and uh, that kind of stuff. And uh, so that takes my mind off of work. And but I mean, someone said that uh, if you do what you love, you never have to work a day in your life. So I don't know. <laughs> Depends on the people, uh, person, uh, how stressful that is. But. Uh, I'm not feeling like overwhelmed with the work at the at, at this time, and and I think I'm able to tell my superiors that okay, I I have too much on my plate if I do, and they they are uh, willing to help me on that. So I think um, I've I've found the uh, balance which, between the work and free time. And Aura is there to help you with that too, right? <laughs> Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> But Tuomas, uh, we've been moving on between present, the past, and, you know, time has really flown when we've been discussing, but I still want to sort of uh, ask something about your future. So where do you see yourself in the future? What's going to happen to you? Well, I, I truly hope that I, I will be working for 
aura in the future as well, making amazing algorithms so that people can reach their full potential. So uh, I, I tr truly want to be part of that in the future as well. So, Are there any uh, well-being technologies that you hope to be uh, involved in uh, to, to be developed in the future. You also mentioned some of these fields where you prevent uh, illnesses and stuff like this, but anything else where you sort of like see a dream goal that this is where I want to go? That actually is my kind of dream. I, I would like to take, take the uh, ring to more of medical use because I know uh, there are going to be a lot of devices for treating, uh, and, and my background is in cardiology. So in that field alone, there's a lot of uh, potential for the ring. And uh, I, I truly think that the ring could be really, really helpful in, in uh, guiding, guiding treatment. But that would need a lot of studies before that could happen. But I would like to go there. Yeah. The future is open. Thomas, um, as a concluding question, uh, I would like to ask about something um, which sort of like can be applied to every listener. So I think, you know, even if we've been talking for an hour or so, if the listeners can take something with them, maybe one or two things that they will remember for the rest of their lives, you know, it's been a successful thing. So if you look back at your career, your studies and yourself uh, in the years that have gone by, are there any pieces of advice that you would now give to your younger self? <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, stop dreaming about becoming a rock star. <laughs> for starters, <laughs> that's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like when I was studying, I was uh, a bit insecure about myself and I was always wondering about what people are going to say, when, when, uh, what am I going to, about what I'm doing or going to do. So I, I would just say, stop thinking about <laughs> what other people are going to say just be yourself it's going to be <laughs> going to work out fine that's a wonderful piece of advice so everyone remember to stay true to yourselves and things will happen Thomas, this interview has been a pleasure i think we are nearly running out of time so all that is left is to Firstly, thank you. Thank you for coming. It was a pleasure. Stay healthy. Stay safe. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Thomas. And have a great day. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.